A portrait is not made in the camera, but on either side of it. Once you really commence to see things, then you really commence to feel things. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. I'm Antonio, and this is episode 102 for the end of july end of july right i think it's the end of july <laughs> i'm not sure and uh i might go right into it we've got uh another deep dive with my friend uh ward rawson uh joining me uh hi ward hello how are you doing good thanks for coming and joining i and, love being here yeah great fantastic uh uh how's your summer been going so far it's been, we've had some weird weather. Uh, it was uh, kind of cold and miserable in June, and now we've got some heat in July, and uh, who knows what's going to happen in August. Is cold it's, weird for you guys? Not really. It's just the duration of it, as long as it's short. But if you get two or three days, it kind of, you know, brings the morale yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, speaking of weird weather, I, I caught a, uh, a, a funnel cloud um, forming over... Uh, the airport from my window, I shot this funnel cloud and I'm looking at it. I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it formed and I, I was using the digital zoom on my camera so I could take a look at it closely and I could see that it was spinning and it was forming. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. But it didn't come down to the ground. Uh, oh. and, uh, I ended up posting it up on uh, Facebook and it ended up getting like, like 10,000 people looking at it eventually. And, uh, wow. Cool. Yeah, a, lo a local meteorologist said, could you send me the pictures? Tell me what time it happened and blah, blah, blah. I'll check it out and found out that it wasn't anything exciting. Well, but that's but you were there. You saw you witnessed something, right? I was okay. witnessing something, yes. And I was I was hoping like part of me was hoping that it would be a tornado. And the other part was like, no, I don't want a tornado to hit. But I know. Like, wow, that would have been That's really what cool. weather does to you. I stand on the front yard and they're standing in the front yard and watch the watch the weather. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. get hit by lightning. I know, no, but it's no. so cool. <laughs> it's really. Yeah. In fact, we just got a. There's a uh, warning out there. There'll be severe thunderstorms tonight, and uh, with winds up to 50 miles an hour. So I go and batten down the hatches on my my terrace and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's the kind of stuff I like photographing from my from my terrace. I mean, I love watching weather and I love photographing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not getting wet and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. We finally hit the deep summer, so I'm sitting here in you know 90 degree weather, sweating, uh, with no air conditioning on while I'm re while we're recording. <laughs> well, that's the joys of uh, media. You gotta you gotta <laughs> sacrifice for the gods. I know, I know. I was like, oh man, you know, someday I'm gonna have a real recording studio and I'll have air conditioning vents and it'll be quiet and yeah, someday. But something to strive for. Yeah. So anyway, uh, enough of that. <laughs> it's like it's like. I, you know, we're here tonight to do another deep dive on a photographer who, um, uh, who did we decide to do? <laughs> Edward, Edward Steichen. Edward Steichen. Okay, Steichen. now I got a beef here. What's the beef? The beef. Oh, we're going to have a, we're going to have a knockdown? <laughs> yeah, let's have a, let's have a, yeah, have a throwdown here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Edward Steichen has a, a, a deep connection to a place in the United States called the New York City. And here again, uh -huh. here again, the Canadian is talking about an American photographer, but not just an American photographer, 
a New well, York a New York photographer. A New York photographer who was born in Luxembourg. How about that? Yeah, okay. You can but the <laughs> thing about uh, the thing about America and New York is you can be from anywhere and you right. come to New York and you're in New York and you're a right. New York photographer. So right. and you start taking pictures of New York and you know, you're right about that. And I was thinking like, you know, go through all the um older photographers and a lot of them do have links to New York. I mean, even like Matthew Brady had mm-hmm. a studio on Fifth, no, not Fifth Avenue, Broadway, uh, someplace, and mm-hmm. you know he's out, you know, gallivanting during the Civil War, photographing, or him and uh, a few other guys. So yeah, I mean, like it seems like a lot of people. But when photography was new, it seemed like New York was one of the centers of photography, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, well, I think it. Well, it spawned the beginning of what we call American photography now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's sort of the the nexus i I'll, I'll give that i'll give you that okay all right but we, we gotta pick you know pick some crazy I, I don't know somebody from somewhere else and we'll have the throw we disagreement on uh, okay because we, there's a lot more episodes to record and there's a, certainly a lot more photographers i want to talk about and uh you know i was thinking like who do i want to do tonight and i was like uh i don't know it's just sort of like a last minute you know um thing but we wanted to talk about his place in photography and i know you kind of know a lot about him well what he does for me he's interesting in that he was something of a renaissance man i mean we can get in i guess into his his upbringing and so on Mm -hmm. but he 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 took us from um what and we'll talk i guess we can talk about what's called the photo secessionist movement Mm -hmm. right through until past the half of the past the half of the 20th century into the 60s and the beginning of the street photography and the American aesthetic that we sort of, you and I certainly grew up with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he, he spans that. And he, he, you know, the guy did a lot in his, in, his, uh, in his life and he changed with the times, which I think is very important. You don't say with him, these are his definitive images. Although... There are some images of uh, pictures that he took of of um, celebrities and so on that are sort of iconic for the period, mm-hmm. um, in in the in the uh, interwar period, uh, but uh, you know there's just there's so much to to think about and talk about with him, no, just in his no, place. He's another one who got involved with photography at a young age, right? I think he got a, his first camera when he was like. Was he uh, eight or nine, or am I fifteen? He's like, yeah, I don't know that... much about him as a child. I think of him I, for him, for me, uh, his his or my understanding of him doesn't really start until he started working commercially. Well, he had a def- he had a definitive idea about photography when he was like nineteen, mm-hmm. and he was certainly talking about, uh, you know, photography in a way that I don't think I was at nineteen. <laughs> right. I mean. Uh, I picture people back then a lot smarter when they were a lot younger uh, in general, because <laughs> I don't remember being that smart when I was 19. <laughs> no, um, me neither. Although I was in the dark room, but yeah, me you know, too. I was creating what I call my well-meaning, finely crafted garbage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Struggling through college and whatnot. But mm-hmm. it, um, I think he was uh, he was beginning to do um, some serious work, you know, uh, in, before he was 20. So Wow. Yeah, um, but That's yeah, cool. you know he he crosses over this period. I mean, I you know I thought I had a whole bunch of books on him for some reason, and I don't. 
you know, and I was like, why don't I have books on this guy? And the only one I have is his book during uh, World War II. And uh, when we decided to do this show, like, I, I don't know enough about him. And so I was like, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll look at my books. And I don't have enough books. And there's actually a book on Amazon I want to buy. But it was 85 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> there's the internet. Yeah. Well, I'm going to hold off for a little bit. because I mean, I want the book. But, like, you know, after I met you, I've spent more money on photo books. <laughs> Well, you can blame me. Go ahead. This doesn't affect me. I'm not going to blame you. I'm just saying, like, it just happens to be a coincidence after I've met you and talked to you. I happen to be buying a lot more photo books. But with him, I I just thought I had more about him. And so I started to read up about him. And I didn't realize, like, uh, the the book I have about him is during World War II. And I didn't realize how old he was Mm -hmm. in World War II. And so looking up that he was born in 1879... And like yeah. you said, he's he died in uh, 1973. Yeah, but his like primary years of work were like the late 1890s to the early 60s. This is his, mm-hmm. his prime time. So you're right; he crossed over a lot of things and uh, went through two wars, three, three, I think. I mean, if well, he didn't work in uh, Korea, but. Uh, uh, and so. I haven't seen any content of his from Korea. I, that's I, that's a gap in my knowledge. I don't no, know. No, I think he was too, I think he was probably a little too old to be going out and shooting yeah. during the Korea. But uh, certainly World War One and World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, you know, he, he, first of all, let me just go back. A lot of these photographers that we're talking about, um, that we've talked about, they somehow all end up in Paris or in, mm-hmm. in France. Do you, do, mm-hmm. you ever, do you understand why? Can you, do you have a... Maybe an explanation. No, I can't, is it just because uh, Paris or France had this uh, art scene going on in the early, you know, I think so, nineteen hundreds, and I think so, and I think it, it, those guys walked around in in art galleries in the Louvre and so on, and they got into um, art and they looked at their photography and and you know what became the photo secession movement, which was. Um, so yeah, go go into that. Yeah, so what that is is that's a group of photographers who wanted to present photography as a art in its own right. So And it I, wasn't it wasn't an art in its own right in the No, I think people thought of it as more like we would think of medical imaging now, you know, you oh you took this picture of this park and let me get a magnifying glass so I can see all the detail. That is very interesting. Look how you captured it. And it's not, you're not looking at it as art. It's just a recording medium. Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. it be artistic? Where's the hand of the artist? It's so me, where's the brush? That people, that was, that's very strange to think that people never thought of photography as art. I mean, it's a young art. I understand that, but it just, it's such a weird, I don't know why it's a very weird thing to think about. I mean, there were some people thinking about it. I mean, these people who started the photo secessionists. Yeah. Well, it was it was uh, it was Alfred Stiglitz, right? Another well, he's from Hoboken, but he was another New York dude mm-hmm. who started <laughs> started a gallery, right? He well, started, he started ga- it with Steichen, didn't he? That's right. And they were they had they were called the little what were they called the little galleries of the I can't I can't remember what it was called. I don't know. It's a, but the eventually, one gallery. They was. eventually called the two nine one after the address, right? On fifth two nine one Fifth Avenue. Yeah. I'll have to walk by there when I visit. I got to go by there. <laughs> Whatever's <laughs> in his shoe store, I don't. What I don't care what it is. I go. In the next week, I'll take a picture and send it to you because I thank plan you. To walk around there. <laughs> Absolutely. Here's two nine one. All right. Stand where he stood. 
So well, the you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No. So they they started this. They you know there was an intimate space, so folks would come in, take a look, or maybe buy the photographs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about presenting art in a gallery setting, um, and give people the opportunity to contemplate this work as art. And, and you know, um, just as a admission here, I often got Steichen and Stieglitz mixed up. That's okay if you're, you know, if it's 1917. Um, well, yeah, I mean, their, their work from that time period, you know, uh, I want to say is similar, but there's a, there's a, there's a quality that they share. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's very, um, Wow, oh, how do you want to say it? Painterly or uh, dreamy, poster-like, dreamy. right? Yeah. And um, you know, I've seen Steichen's work at the where is he at? Where I've seen it at uh, the Met Metropolitan Museum, uh, at their permanent photo gallery. And the one image that always strikes me is is this image of the the Flatiron Building in New York mm. City, which yeah. at the time was the tallest building in the world, I believe. It was the world's tallest. Uh, skyscraper I mean maybe not the tallest structure but certainly the tallest building mm-hmm. and it's this very kind of ethereal image of uh, taken from I think it's from Fifth Avenue next to Madison Square Park and there are these sort of tree branches of black tree branches going through and in the back there's there's this like faded uh, you know shadow in a sense of the of the uh, flat iron building and then there's some shadowy people walking in the foreground and i often get that image mixed up with stieglitz stieglitz <laughs> yeah the stieglitz one is a like a po- more like a poster it's a narrow tall thing uh-huh and it's always it's kind of a it's more of a yellow sepia color it's yeah. not the yeah. sort of like uh, faux color that the that the steichen picture is so these guys are starting this gallery right now they're also going in to to um uh, France and they're bringing artists back. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that they've also didn't just have f- uh, photographers at their gallery. They had uh, they were instrumental in bringing Picasso over. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's a hat tip to Mac. Yeah. <laughs> well, early Picasso was really you know I think you have to admit early Picasso was. If you don't was, like Picasso's maybe. pictures, maybe you like pictures of Picasso because they took some. They took some <laughs> of him. <laughs> yeah. Um. But they had this little gallery, and they were bringing in lots of people. And we talked about uh, even um, Walker Evans had gone to to visit uh, Stieglitz there. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like you know, the New York being the center where everybody's sort of coming. But uh, tell me, tell me more about this gallery that you know. What, what that I know, know. That's pretty much all I know, actually. Um, oh yeah. I I my bias of Stieglitz is kind of later on in his life. Or of oh, Stieglitz uh, Steichen. or Steichen? Well, mm-hmm. both. Uh, no, Stieglitz is the er- the early years, and then, um, you know, Steichen was kind of was taken away um, to well, he he did serve in World War One, and they promoted him to the point uh, pretty quickly where he became uh, um, one of the innovators in aerial reconnaissance photography. That was ah, his thing. Yeah. 
So uh, I think you and I both appreciate aerial reconnaissance photography. I have no idea what that means. I think <laughs> you got you got pictures of balloon pictures, right, of your neighborhood. Uh, I think yeah. you were yeah, showing. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that, I like aerial photography. Yeah, and it's a it is a, both a novelty and and a and a great. Uh, um, uh, intelligence tool for the Allies in uh, in the First World War. I was surprised to hear that he served in uh, World War One as this aerial photographer uh, um, and and set some sort of standards about about aerial photography at the time. And I also read someplace, and I don't know if this is true or not, that um, there was some divide between him and, and uh, Stieglitz uh, during World War One. The the um the biases towards uh, different uh, homelands, you know, and right. Steichen being a little bit more uh, what what do you call it when you're when you're into France Francophile or Fra- uh, Francophile Francophile maybe yeah, and then Stieglitz being a little bit uh, more towards the the German side. So I don't know if that if that uh, created some sort of rift between the two or whatnot. I didn't I didn't get that deep into any kind of reading, but um. That when when uh, so oh, let's let's go before we we're j- jumping ahead a little bit. I want to talk mm-hmm. about the pictorialists because that's kind of what we're what we're talking about with this kind of dreamy photography. Right. Um, can you can you define that a little bit? For uh, me? The pictorialists were uh, um, a group of well, not they weren't they weren't necessarily organized, although some were. Um, it was a movement within photography where you. The quality of the images that you wanted were similar to painting and drawing, hmm. so you had the, the you know there was still life. You could have you know the pictures of the the buildings, like the Flatiron Building, for instance, could very well have been a painting. Um, very static, very um, considered um, c- contemplations of subjects, um, not. Not the dynamic thing we would see, for instance, in the Lartigue, which was around the same time, right? Which mm-hmm. was which had a, a lot of life and humanity, even and an immediacy mm-hmm. uh, to them that uh, the pictorialists were like, eh, "We don't rock the boat too much. We want people to we we think we want people to appreciate uh, this new photographic art as being this dreamy, painterly like mm-hmm. uh, presentation." This is and this is a move away from photography being this document. Right. Thing, right. Right. So right. this is, but is that you're saying this is to help ease people into saying, well, we're doing this thing called photography and we want you to like it. And we're not trying to hit you over the head with something too crazy. Uh, right. So we're presenting you with something that you might be able to understand, but you're like, oh, it's a photograph. Right. Um, something like the lame pictures we see on Instagram now. Oh, we, we would like something that would appeal to you. We we, we don't want to rock the boat too much. Right. <laughs> Hold that thought a minute about Instagram too. I want to get into that a little bit later. But uh, um, you know, they're, and they're using all sorts of different. Um, and Steichen's part of this, using different kinds of processing techniques, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Like, can you name any? What? Um, well, because. This is not a test. I mean, I'm like, because Steichen, <laughs> well, I don't remember all the part of the gum by, uh, you know, the different um, uh, kind of sticky or awful processes. But th- when Stiglitz came up with that magazine called Camera Work, mm-hmm. they were all original, um, like etchings, and uh, I've forgotten the name of the process now. Photogravure. Uh, photogravure, thank you. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that is the etched, that's etched copper. Mm hmm. 
and it's uh, what I understand. It's a very difficult, arduous process um, that requires a lot of tries, but um, it can be done. And the pictures, when they're reproduced, are beautiful. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, right. Yeah, it's, that, that that's the process that, in my mind, stands out for both of those guys in those days when they were producing. Uh, camera work but those go hand in hand right i mean this idea of trying to create photography as an art form and then the process sort of uh helping that along i mean that shot of the uh the steichen shot of the flat iron building would not look the same if it was not processed in this in in some way that he right. did this i mean it's it's you look at the picture and he's like well that's not just a straight photograph there's something else going on right um and i'm not sure let's see i'm looking at the uh I can't see what the exact way they made that print, but I know I've seen that print. And when I when I go to the museum, uh, it's mm -hmm. it's kept in a very dark area. And right. I, this one might even be. I'm not sure if this one is actually covered with a fabric or not. Um, so it's obviously a very sensitive uh, image. And I, I know he created different versions of this picture, mm. uh, but uh, that's very much tied in with creating, uh, making photography look like an artwork, right? Rather than like a daguerreotype, which is or tintypes, uh, which were very sort of straightforward, um, even though we find those quaint now and kind of artsy, right? You know, but they they kind of weren't. Those were what the te the technology was capable of back then, right? And very sharp images and or as almost three dimensional. Have you ever looked at a real daguerreotype? They're amazing. Yes, I've got one on my shelf. Actually. Oh man, I want one. <laughs> it's a little one, but I'm like, it doesn't Ooh. matter. Those little cameo sized ones. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful. They're almost three. It's like the image is hovering above the polished silver. It's amazing. Right, and you have to angle it in a certain way to be able to see it. Yeah, you can't look at it straight on. It won't yeah. see anything. But you, uh, a lot of the times, the daguerreotypes are displayed with. Um, at an angle with a piece of uh, some kind of material uh, at, at like a 45 degree angle or a 90 degree angle to it so mm -hmm. that then you can actually see the image. But mm -hmm. uh, but these, these the Flatiron Building was a print. These are all prints that mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about, right? So, uh, so Steichen is involved in making this gallery, bringing over uh, artists from Paris, bringing over sort of that uh, wanting to make photography an art form, and so that's all related. Then boom, World War One comes. He's flying airplanes. He's taking pictures, right? He's in charge of the aerial photography group. I think in his American uh, expeditionary yeah. uh, forces. Mm -hmm. uh, comes back, right? And then he's like, "That's it. He's done with the pictorialists, right? He's done with the That's secessionists, right?" right? Uh, yeah. He's off and running, and now he's doing commercial work. <laughs> like and. Doing a fine job too. He got hired by Condé Nast to work for mm -hmm. Vogue and uh, what was the other one? I didn't write it down. Two no. magazines he worked for, not Harper's yeah. Bazaar. Previous to, previous to that, and he was shooting fashion, and he became one of the most highly paid fashion photographers of the age in a nascent market and and uh, medium, and he did a fine job. That's kind of a big switch, don't you think? I think so. I mean. I mean, yeah, the war kind of, you know, sets you off in a different direction. But still, to come back and say, I'm no longer going to do this. What do you think happened? I mean, I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm, like, I'm just bouncing the idea. I have no idea. Uh, comfort with the equipment. All the, the, I mean, the roll film. Um, maybe. Yeah, but to go, from, to, go, to go from this, you know, shot of the, uh, you know, uh, flat iron building 
to this commercial stuff that he's doing these these fashion shots, these portraits and stuff like that. I mean, that's like night and day. Yeah. What I'm what I what I was gonna say was roll film and the uh, immediacy of it, um, the uh, the way you can um, um, I don't know precision is the wrong word, but the clarity of it. Um, there was these these magazines that were starting up that had drawings. I mean, they did have those fashion plate. Um, you know, designer drawings in them. Now, if you can mm-hmm. make that come alive with a model on the street, um, that would that would be the way to go. And that's what he did. But I wonder if, I mean, you know, I, I wonder if there was some just giant, like, you know, F you to the pictorialist. <laughs> like, I'm like done with this. Or like, was it a phase that he was going through? I'm like, I'm done. Like, that's enough of this. Or, you know, I, I'm curious, and we probably can't answer this. But I'm just like, just like all of us, like we're doing one style of photography and suddenly we stop and we start doing something else. And like what causes that switch? Why? I mean, because to me, they're just it is like two different things, you know. Well, and maybe he just saw the need. Maybe he's one of those guys who can do that. Oh, here's a need I can fill. This might be uh, fun. Keep me on my feet and so on. Pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and he, you know, he did a he did a great job. You know, there's the, uh, what was the one picture I um, put in the notes that I really, really love? Let me get that in front of me. Um, the portrait of the uh, uh, movie star, the silent movie star, uh, Gloria Swanson. Gloria Swanson, yeah. Yeah, it's such a beautiful shot. It's I this know. shot of this woman is black and white and she's looking at the camera. And I had heard when he was doing this portrait session with her and like towards the end, he decided to hang up this piece of lace in front of her. And it's this black, black and uh, black lace. It's like flowers and like that. And she and he, and you can see through it. And mm-hmm. he put it in front of uh, between her, uh, her and the camera. Mm-hmm. And she's looking right at the camera through this lace. And yeah. it is such it's such a terrific image, you know, yeah. early filters. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the well, maybe there was uh, I'm trying to think of early, you know, Fritz Lang movies or something like that, where that effect was used or. um uh, Valentino, where there was something put in front of the lens and it was made more exotic. And oh, and what's really? inter- oh. what's interesting about that 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 picture you're talking about is the lace is in sharp focus too, and it doesn't it doesn't right. detract right. at all from the image of her right. uh, behind it. Because her eyes are so. I mean, you can her lips are very well defined. Mm-hmm. Her skin is very light, you know, and she's wearing some sort of headdress kind of thing. And yeah, she's just slightly, you know, blurry, but it doesn't matter. And, and and where he put the patterns of the lace on her face, I mean, almost looks like a tattoo or something like that. You know, it's so, it's so striking. But like when you look at all of his pictures, like when you do a search on on Google and and you have all these thumbnails, that's one that stands out mm-hmm. so much. You know, um, he was also very much into doing self portraits of himself. I found a lot of. Uh, of him as a self-portrait. And what's interesting is that his earlier years, he, he was he he was a painter as well. There's another photographer who was yeah uh, who was started off as a painter, and he's got the self-portrait of him that was taken with a camera, and he's holding a brush, and it looks like a painting. Um, it looks like kind of like a Rembrandt style painting. It has Rembrandt lighting. Do you know the right. shot I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. And he's there with this, and it's very formal. Uh, and you know, I actually don't like it. <laughs> it like, okay, this is interesting. Why don't you like it? Because it looks, it, it is too much of a painting rather than a photograph. It, it, it reminds me now of when people are trying to make uh, pictures look like paintings. Right. 
and it 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 fails in both. Like it doesn't mm. succeed as a good photograph, and it definitely doesn't look like a painting. And so it's in this like twilight zone in between, and I'm not sure what to do with it. I can't appreciate it. Now I go back to his some of his other pictures, his earlier portraits when he was doing like he's got uh, uh, Rodin. You know, became friends with him, yeah. and um, he's got like you know some of these sort of pictorialist style portraits of uh, Rodin, and they're not you know they're photographs. I mean they they're stylistic and. Uh, whatnot, but they look more like pictures. And this one of him as a painter is just, I don't know, it, it fails to me, you know? Oh. And it's kind of weird to me take another that. look at it. I'll have to take another look at it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't like not liking his work. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that one doesn't, that doesn't hit me. But, uh, you know, then he starts photographing, like, J.P. Morgan, you know, just that, that portrait of J.P. Morgan, who looks very angry. Yeah, uh, and is about to like storm out of the studio, and yeah. it's a perfect shot of him. Yeah, and what else I got? It sort uh, of uh, reminds me of a Canadian photographer, Joseph Karsh. Oh yeah, yeah. You I, know, I, get a get a reaction out of the out of the subject. Get get some kind of uh, visceral reaction, glaring into the camera. That's what that's what Penn did as well by sticking Penn. people in the corner. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I have a book on uh, Yosef Karsh, uh, recommended by uh, David Swiduck. He, he uh, recommended I bought it. I haven't read it yet, but uh, there's a famous picture of Churchill that we all, mm. some of us know. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he's going now and he's doing all these, uh, you know, commercial portraits and becoming this magazine photographer. Uh, and then World War Two. World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> But before World War Two, oh, go ahead. It's the funniest thing. thing. Yeah, go ahead. He did quit. The, he did quit the uh, the fashion business, and he started growing flowers. He's an internationally recognized expert in delphiniums. Really? So he was breeding them for a few years. Yeah. Was he not taking pictures at that time? He might have been, but not that. He did have, uh, uh, if the history books are correct and my memory is correct, he actually did have. A flower exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art as the uh, one and only flower exhibit at MoMA. Are you kidding me? You must I'm not have kidding some, you. Uh, friends in high places to get that done. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> were they, he had. Were to they have. like? Were they not even like dried flowers? Were like? No, nope, the they were live flowers. Really? Yeah. Jeez, I wonder how many people showed up for that show. <laughs> we'll have to dig that one up. We'll put that one. We'll, we'll dig that up. Maybe add it to the show notes. But oh my gosh. there was that happened, and then um, he—I think it's from—he he was uh, in retirement for thirty-eight to forty-two, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, and then they convinced him to join the navy um, in the Pacific. Well, to was document. it sort of a little bit of both? Didn't he want to go and join? Like he wanted in. He he okay yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I no, I mean, right. he, they're probably convinced him, but I think, like, this guy's 60. Now he's, like, He's 60, in his 60s. He's in his 60s, and he wants to, and they're like, they're like, no, you're too old. And he's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh, yeah, they end up uh, they end up accepting him. They became, he became, what, a, like a lieutenant commander or something? Yeah, yeah. And uh, they sent him to uh, the Pacific. Yep, they do. Now, now you have a book of his, right? Yeah. From that era. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that. Well, I, um, 
yeah. Uh, okay. What was it called? It's called the Steichen at War. And mm. it is, um, I, you know, when I pulled it off the shelf, I was expecting to see more pictures from him. But he was actually in charge of a photo crew. Right. Uh, a lot of photographers uh, who were working for him. He did some photography, um, but most of the pictures in there uh, were from, you know, some were photojournalists who became, you know, who joined up uh, to, to photograph the war and others were like in the Navy already. Um, and it is it, it basically covers uh, the Pacific on on a lot of the ships, uh, some of the island hopping. Uh, during during that time period, um, but incredible work by all the by all the photographers, uh, and it's weird because they all sort of share kind of a style. He he before he he uh, sent them out, he said focus on you know don't focus on the war, focus on the man, right? You know, and so they were all approaching the photography uh, of uh, the Pacific War by focusing on the so- soldiers and sailors uh, rather than. Uh, the you know the overall events you know I mean I've, there were obviously pictures of you know the action and and the uh, you know after results of war <clears throat> a lot of it pretty hard stuff to look at um, but again you know there's these shots of you know sailors sleeping on you know uh, on the flight deck of uh, you know uh, one of the aircraft carriers something like that it's just it's a very intimate kind of view of the war right. Now, there's also around the same time he he produced or rather he directed a movie in Technicolor, which was definitely a, um, a novelty for that age, uh, called The Fighting Lady. It won an Oscar, actually, for Best Documentary, and I think in 1945, 1944. It came out in 44, if I remember correctly. And it was about, uh, it was a, basically a document of um, the sailors and and um, uh, naval aviators of the USS Yorktown, which was a aircraft carrier in the Pacific, and it is a, it is actually quite an amazing document. You can find it on YouTube. There's a couple of different versions of it on YouTube. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, if you're World War II buff, or particularly to see uh, the the work that they did in color, um, it's a, it's pretty amazing when you think of Technicolor film had a speed uh, um, ISO speed of six or twelve. Uh, you know <laughs> really <laughs> yeah so you're um, shooting mostly in the daylight yeah shooting in daylight yeah there's one scene i seem to remember where the boys are in a theater somewhere watching newsreels or something and it's very grainy and scratchy mm-hmm. but you get, give them a thumbs up for effort on that one it's it definitely gives you a, f- a a fairly good feeling of what it's like to be on an aircraft carrier and, that, and that's watch a, the boys come in from missions and all that horrible stuff but it's it's and that's available for us that we can find that on, on YouTube? Or on something? YouTube, yeah. You just look oh. for The Fighting Lady on YouTube. and It's about just a little over an hour. Yeah? All right. Yeah. I'll have to look for that. I have to watch it. I didn't, I didn't realize he, uh, he, he was a director, too. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so he comes back from... Uh, World War II. Uh, what happens then? Do we know? I think he puts his feet up for a couple of years. I'm not sure exactly. But in 1947, he became the director of the photography department at our Museum of Modern Art. In um, New York City. In New York City. <laughs> Again, <laughs> he comes back home. 
Yeah. And he's get, he's got this big job. So Is this before um what's his name? Uh Yes, he's the guy who came who was just before John Sarkowski. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um and he, you know, we talked about Gary Winogrand. He did a show like in the 60s with Winogrand, you know, the, whatever it is, the five unrelated photographers. That mm-hmm. was still Steichen at the end of his tenure there. That was? But, yeah. Oh, okay. It was still him. That was before, maybe Zarkowski was on the board or was kind of sniffing around. But it was Steichen who got Winogrand and a couple of those others in. They're all names we would know. I can't remember yeah, yeah, off yeah. the top of my head. All right. But so he he became this um, uh, director of photography, and my sense is, and I think, and, and you've been trying to get it out of me too early on about what changed about him, uh, mm-hmm. what you know, what is it about him that's different? Why would he give up photo secessionists after World War One? Mm-hmm. Uh, why did he go to this gig after World War Two? And I think he felt this kind of uh, uh, he felt a real strong responsibility to. Um, use photography to affect or be available to normal people in the culture, in American culture. Hmm. And I think he was even thinking, maybe he was even thinking internationally about it. So he put together exhibits. One second, but there there was nobody else at the time thinking that way, or at least not at his level, I guess. Well, no, but I I think, but no, as his, yeah, as uh, in his role there Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. Okay, okay, right. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you think of Zarkowski as being the guy who kind of codifies the language of photographer for us, right? You know, here's how a photographer would do this. Here's how a photographer, you know, and he, he, it's a little bit more nuts and bolts. It's, uh, here's Uh how you use light and dark. Here's how you use, that's Zarkowski was like the aesthetic dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that Steichen was more of the cultural dude um, running mm-hmm. the department. So what he did do when he put together shows, he definitely wanted to highlight the work of a photographer and say, these, these photographs represent that guy, Harry Callahan. These photographs represented, um, you know, Eugene Smith and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the way he worked. One of the he had a repeating show. Uh, it wasn't a repeating show, but it was a show that had um, the same theme. It was called Diogenes with a camera. Diogenes was a was an ancient um, philosopher who liked to break convention. Uh, mm-hmm. He was the son of the guy who used to mint the coins, and he used to deface the coins and all. There's well, there's a metaphor there. He was the one who lived in a barrel or something. Lived in a barrel in the in the, in the market, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So th- there's a whole you know thing about shaking uh, shaking convention, mm-hmm. and he was a he was a critic, he was a and, hobo, and a cynic. <laughs> well, he was a hobo. I know, <laughs> but people listened to him. So right, right, right. you know, so 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 what what these Diogenes of the camera exhibits did was uh, it was a way for Steichen to depict um a, a truth in only the way and only a way photography can mm-hmm. separate from art mm-hmm. so it's a continuation of saying screw you to the photo secessionists mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. so you had you had eugene smith you had harry callahan you had the guys out in the desert edward weston and frederick summer um showing here's what things looks like here's what things look like here's a, a kind of reality now we can go on and on with Mac about you know the truth in photography, but right, right, right. you know, but that's it's you know it's it's a kind of truth that's separate from what an art artist might or a painter might do to you know paint a picture. And, and of certainly, his album. back then in the fifty, like when in photography in its infancy was was would be considered a truth, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
what else would they have to compare it to? You know? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so he started in 47 at MoMA and he had this idea in I think 52 or 53 to come up with, um, uh, a mega exhibit, although he had no idea of the scale of it. He'd call it the family of man. Mm-hmm. And, and what he did was, well, let's, let's go back and put, uh, put the, the States in uh, America in a, in a historical context, end of the second world war mm. countries just coming off McCarthyism, still afraid of the commies. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the, the boys were home. They're happy with their wives and their kids and the economy is going crazy. You look at the 56, 57 Chevy Bel Air. They're beautiful cars. There was mm-hmm. this optimism and forward-looking kind of thing going on. Despite uh, despite the middle of this, there was another war, right? Yeah, there, there I mean, was. Even, yeah, there is that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, this was still happening. We had a war going on, small one mm-hmm. overseas, but um, but we're still prospering here in the United States. Yeah, and and f- and I think I have a feeling that, uh, and we can talk about maybe the meaning of it later. Uh, Steichen's uh, feeling that he wanted to do something to kind of catch the wave of that optimism and and try to he- I don't know heal the world or heal America, and mm-hmm. uh, by by producing the show. So he made an international call. Anyone who's anyone could send in uh, photographs. Uh, the the one article I read said that over two million prints were set in. They could be no wow. larger than eight by ten. They could be shot with anything, but the pictures that were submitted couldn't be any larger than eight by ten. Um, the original cut out of those two million was uh, was um, I think something like ten thousand, and then those ten thousand were brought before the uh, brought before the board or whoever the curators were underneath Steichen to go over uh, to reduce it to just a little over 500 images, 503 wow. images from 293 photographers in wow. 68 countries. And the, all they had, the, the idea was family of man, the pictures that they had to, had to, uh, um, you know, the subject matter was family of man. So, Hey, you know, I have the book right in front of me. I know you do. And can I, I read the, can I quickly read the intro? Absolutely. Is this the, um, Carl Sandberg? No, no, this is Steichen's. Oh, Steichen's intro. intro. Steichen, yeah. yeah, there's a pro. Carl Sandberg was his uh, brother-in-law, yeah. actually, I, and he I, wrote I a pretty long uh, foreword, right? Yeah, but this, this, uh, and if I don't screw it up, I don't. Wait, let me get my glasses because <laughs> okay. then I will definitely read it. Like, I take my headphones off for a second. Hold on. Sure. All right, all right, all right. Got the glasses on. Put the headphones back on. All right. So I, I have this on my shelf. Then this. I don't think has any of his pictures in it uh, in the show, as far as I know. Uh, okay, introduction by Edward Steichen. He said, I believe the Family of Man exhibition produced and shown first at the Museum of Modern Art in New York and now being circulated throughout the world is the most ambitious and ambitious and challenging project photography has ever attempted. The expedition now permanently presented on the pages of this book demonstrates that the art of photography is a dynamic process of giving form to ideas and of explaining man to man. It was conceived as a mirror of the universal elements and emotions in the everydayness of life as a mirror of the essential oneness of mankind throughout the world. And I'll just, the rest of the intro is longer. I just wanted to grab that part. Yeah. 
So that is that optimistic or what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of being kind of trite here, but um, he, he, you could, you could, there's uh, um, an optimism and uh, a kind of depth of feeling of wanting to to heal something. Maybe it's a, mm-hmm. a, 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 the emotions of an older man too. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, may true. have something right. to do with it. Like he right. really, and this is definitely his passion. So, and and you could sense that for sure. And uh, the the show opened up in what nineteen nineteen fifty five fifty five at Museum yeah. of Modern Art. Yeah, uh, you have down in the notes that thirty five thousand people visited in the first two weeks. Yeah, and uh, there was a mobile version of the show that went around the world. I think there were several installations uh, simultaneously. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, the the word has it that about nine million people saw the show. And the shows were 69 venues in 37 countries right up until 1962. Nine million people. Nine million people. To see a photo show. I don't think that's probably ever been matched. Nope. I can't imagine. So you have Steichen's optimism, and then you have the popular subject matter of families and people interacting. Right? So it was very, very popular with the public. Yeah, in the probably the most popular public uh, photo exhibition ever. Ever. When you go through the book, there's a lot of photographers who you probably recognize. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's Bresson and uh, let's see, let me go through. I okay. oh, of course, I have my glasses and I took them off again. Eve Arnold, uh, you know uh, Ernst Haas. I mean, the the list is endless. Um, you know, I wonder how many of these are unknown photographers though, like people who are just like you know you said a million. Uh, two million prints were sent in. So how many of these photographers are just people, you know? Yeah, well, their names are all, if I'm not mistaken, even in the catalog that you're looking at, their names are alongside the photographs. Are they yeah, not? they are, yeah. So you can look them up. If for no other reason that the only thing that will hit on a search for them is the fact that they were in that show, it's good enough for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I was in Family of Man. He was in Family of Man. Yeah, so. it was a Matthew Brady shot I just came across. The soldier who's... Uh, on the battlefield. Uh, anyway, so what you know? What happened with this show? Like, what do you know about? Well, it was popular with the public. Unfortunately, it was not popular with the photography or the art community. Um, and the criticism came from the newspapers, uh, the art critics, and the photo critics almost immediately. Um, you know, what I'd kind of criticism? Why would someone want to criticize this? It's... Well. It it in a, in a long in a lot of ways it was a departure from what uh, Steichen's original other shows, including um, uh, whatever that one with the the, the camera there, mm-hmm. um, was highlighting the photographer. Here we're highlighting a kind of um, common subject, like uh, maybe that someone would take in their own home, you know, just our family together. Um, a lot of a lot of critics were uh, thought that the content was shallow and it showed this all happy, you know, smiling, dimple depiction of human life. Everyone getting together and being happy and giving birth and all this kind of stuff. And there was no real no real depiction of the other side of humanity, which is discord and hardship and misery. There was none of that in this. And it's that that's it's not a it's not a whole it's not a whole picture of what what humanity's experience is. Have you looked through the book? Are. I have. Lately? Okay. I have. Do you I agree with that? Today. 
I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that this is the criticism that came in oh, those days. No, I hear that, but does, do you think? I mean, do you think that valid? That's a valid criticism. I mean, I'm looking at, and I, I, I agree that the majority of the pictures are, you know, I wouldn't say um, suffering, right? But there are a few in here. I mean, you know, the the Matthew Brady picture that I just happened to look at showed a dead soldier. That wasn't too pleasant. There's some. Uh, What's this shot I'm looking at? Uh, Margaret Bork White in India of what people look like they're starving. It yeah. doesn't look so happy. And so you know, there's some uh, photos of uh, soldiers in, in Korea, you know, uh, or this uh, Eugene Smith picture of uh, the, the midwife, uh, uh, you know, taking care of the, the old man, which looks very sad. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Would, I'm just saying, would you agree with what what they're saying? No. I wouldn't. No. No. And and the other criticism alongside of that was that um you know and it's it's taking a shot at Steichen for his earlier earlier stuff about um trying to legitimize photography as an art on its own and then creating this documentary of uh the li- the lives of humans just sort of in a in a I don't know I want to put it like an anthropological way. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the way Penn would do it, uh, that it wasn't already enough, and that one guy actually said it would be better for it, for it to be in the Museum of Natural History instead of the Museum of Modern Art. That's uh, that's some cold. Ooh, that's a cold. St- <laughs> that's cold. But that was that was what he was up against. Now, I say all that, and to a certain extent, I can see why critics would say that. The fact is. Nine million people saw right, that show right, yeah. and probably loved it. Right. F- you and I are still talking about it. Well, <laughs> that's the thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. people just, a, a photographers maybe just a little older than us are still complaining about it. Mm. You know, they just like, I, you know, that was, uh, that was the worst thing ever. Why? Because it wasn't small enough to be in your little photo club, you know, your little abstract photo club, like. Mm-hmm. It, it is a reflection of Steichen's personality, really, is what it is. Mm-hmm. And you, the the tone, I mean, the tone that he set in that uh, introduction that you just read, right? That mm-hmm. sets the stage for what you're going to see and everything you just described. And 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 um, what it is 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 reflected in that. Um, so no, I don't I don't get that criticism at all. I don't um, either. You know. And- and it is a way for Steichen to, you know, close off the 50s and the whole put a lot of that misery in World War II and all that behind America's, but and also the world. Um, and, and that's what he was trying to do with that show. Yeah, I mean, they I, used the word art, and maybe it was more on the documentary side, but there was still, you read the list of the photographers that are in there, and they were, they were yeah. producing current work. There's nothing... Yeah. Yeah. So no, I I just I I think he really, they really dragged him through the mud. They really did. Yeah, and I don't know why they would want to do that. Like, is the you know, for what purpose? And in in, in the fifties, we were trying to get better. We just had a terrible war, and you know, uh, I don't understand the purpose of that. So, but uh, I would have to think that World War Two must have changed him in some way. I mean, it changed so many people. You know, and yeah. to be on the front lines in a sense, the way he was. And, and even if he wasn't there, uh, you know, actually 
on the battlefields all the time. He was certainly in charge of re receiving the photographs from the photographers who were. And so he's there seeing this stuff. And how can that not change you in some way? Okay, so he, he does this show, 50s. Um, is that his last hurrah? I mean, he's he's there at the museum. Um, nope, not, the not much else. No, well, he still kept up with um, uh, with the uh, shows, the ex exhibits. Uh, he liked to bring new photographers in. I think um, I can find a link that shows a typewritten chronology of his tenure there, and it's pretty cool um, of the of the shows that went on after. And uh, he at, the, at this point he stopped shooting mostly, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. He was, he was his full time job was well, being yeah, the, yeah. yeah. And when Sarkovsky took over, he was the director emeritus still there. So he'd sit on the, still sit in on the meetings into the 60s. So, mm. yeah. Mm. So question, how, uh, you know, and we've talked about this before, but how is he, how is Steichen relevant today? And I, I think there has to be some answer to this. I mean, uh, you know, for I mean, I think of the pictorialists, you know, uh, I, to me, it's the, you know, this idea of making, you know, photography into art. Um, people are trying to do that today still. I mean, it, you know, I think there's still that struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you go to uh, an art gallery, they don't, you know, most art galleries that have paintings would never think about hanging a photograph. Yeah. And so we're still kind of, we're still kind of fighting that battle a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um I also think that uh, are people today like trying to copy him and not, I don't mean directly, but this idea of taking your picture and making it more painterly or something like that to somehow cross the boundaries um, from photography into something else. Uh, do you think, I mean, that's still happening, right? Yeah, people it's are... still happening. I think we're so fragmented now that we're, you know, we try this look knowing or maybe not knowing that it's already been done to death and you know can can you make whatever it is you're creating your own and does it have an effect on people mm -hmm. to that extent i don't know um that that steichen uh, you know had made a change the, uh, to the culture that way what i get from him is his ability um, to change with his times, mm -hmm. even as he was an older man. Uh, I think that is, uh, he's a very, it w must have been a very sensitive and understanding, and I would ha I'd have to think kind person. Uh, and I, I think more of Steichen as a personality than I do, um, and, and I think of his time at the Museum of Modern Art more than actually than I think of him as a photographer, mm -hmm. as influential mm -hmm. as he is was um so that that's the lesson for me um and and i feel bad for him that he took all that heat after family of man but we're still talking about it and right there's still people who do like it and i think it's a worthy document to have in your library even though i don't have it i have the pdf <laughs> <laughs> well can we we'll link that in the show notes so everybody can see it sure um yeah i i, I looked at my copy and uh it's the 30th anniversary edition. So I think I bought this in 1985. Yeah. So it's not. It's I might have seen it. I might have seen it and I didn't buy it. And that's. Is it is it out of print now? I have no, no idea. I would probably uh, not. I would probably you'd probably, probably find it. Use bookstore yeah. maybe. But um, and the fact that, you know, 
he he's producing he produced this show nine million people saw this show mm-hmm. of you know uh 200 and something photographs and I'm, I'm sure that's never happened since and uh i wonder what he would have thought of um the art like the way the world is now like the way photography is shown um i don't know what do you think well i think it was a champion for photographers so uh, and the way they work and who they are as individuals. I wonder if he'd have trouble with anybody who's anybody and their dog taking pictures with their iPhones. Um, who knows? Yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I think that he, uh, I think he loved photographers. Uh, you, you look at, uh, uh, you know, some of the, some of the other um, exhibits that he, that he curated where it was about them. I, I, just really have the sense that he loved those folks. Mm-hmm. I wonder and, if he'd have uh, a good laugh at people who are using filters on their pictures to do all sorts of things. Yeah, he might. G- given, I mean, given that he did it once and then he was like, I'm done with that. You know, it's like, yeah, the discipline, well, the discipline of the older processes that he used and in filming, you know, filming a technicolor documentary, mm-hmm. um, there was a, there, there had to be a, a discipline and rigor to the way he worked. Yeah, yeah, and and same thing for being a curator. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, definitely somebody uh, whose work again, someone I grew up with. You know, taking photo history classes and and realizing his place in the world, and uh, you know, worth looking at his work. I think. Uh, yeah, actually, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, anything last you want to say about him? Any, are we last bits? No, I think he's worth looking up. Um, um, you know, Look at they, his self-portraits too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and don't ever call them selfies. <laughs> no, I don't think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sort of saying that to the world. They're, they're these great shots. I mean, there's this one shot of him, sort of leaning on his camera or leaning on part of his camera with his hand in his, uh, in his, uh, his head in his hand. Yeah kind of with this little smile and a little curl on his head. And it's like, it's hard to believe that's a self-portrait of him. I'll, I'll put this one in the show notes because it's such a good, it's such a good picture. It's like to take, mm-hmm. to take such a good picture of yourself like yeah. that, um, I think says a lot about the guy. So, uh, Yeah, it is a yeah. sense of humor. You can tell there's a, there's a, there's a mischief there. And yeah. later pictures, even the picture, the tiny little postage stamp picture of him in the family of man document there where, He's this kind, this kind old man who's staring at you through his glasses, you know. Yeah. 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 This is this other great shot of him, uh, sort of hanging off the uh, deck of a aircraft carrier while he's shooting, you know, in his uniform, and uh, it's in his sixties. This old guy hanging off of an aircraft carrier. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely worth looking up, and uh, yeah, I really, I really. I enjoy his work and I like his later work more than his earlier work, even though the pictorial stuff is kind of fun. It, it, it's to me, his, his portraits and his, uh, his later work to me is a little bit more, more interesting, but yeah. Yeah. anyway, all right. I think we've covered him. Uh, I think we have to. Wow. We went, <laughs> went exactly an hour. Uh, th- well, you know, Ward, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing these deep dives with me. You know, yeah, it's my pleasure. I uh, I didn't realize I had such deep feelings for him until um, 
you know, you called his name out and I was thinking, oh, he's an in-between guy, you know. They think of Stiglitz and then I think of mm-hmm. Zarkovsky and the, those street guys that I know from the 60s. And so like, now wait a second, why would I say that? It's absolutely <laughs> true. And that's what makes him interesting. So then I did a bit of reading like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what's going yeah, on he, with him. Yeah, he kind of slipped under the radar a little bit, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, but, but again, appreciate you joining me for these. I, I tend to learn a little bit more from you because you've spent a lot more time with these guys than I do. So so I get to learn as well because uh, I didn't know all the stuff about the family of man. Uh, yeah, it was a landmark deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ward, so l- let everybody know where uh, you may be found in you the can world. find me uh, my most common way that i express myself is on instagram <laughs> i don't I'm running out of words i'm running out of words it's getting late use your um, words <laughs> use my words ward rosin fine art w-a-r-d-r-o-s-i-n fine art on instagram and uh, my website is um rosin.ca r-o-s-i-n.ca there's not too much on there uh but there's you know i'll i'll, I'll get to that and I'm on Facebook, Ward.Rosin on Facebook. You find me there. I'm the only one. Great. And if I have mispronounced your name in the past, I'm sorry. I, I, it's okay. I might There's have called whole... you Rosen once or twice, you know, and I'm realizing that, that was not the right. Oh, it's, it's okay. It's, yeah, it's I-N, not E-N. That's yeah, all. That's, yeah. that's all. The, yeah. It's, you can call me anything but late for dinner, as uh, <laughs> okay. one old man used to say. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. And until the next, uh, we'll figure out what the next deep dive is. Hopefully, we'll move maybe we'll be the cage from... match. <laughs> That's right. We'll I think we're due. Ca- we're due a cage match. All right. We'll figure that one out. Uh, but anyway, thanks for joining me tonight. My pleasure, man. All right. Ciao. Well, and that's this show. I wanted to thank Ward again for joining me with these deep dives and in, uh, into the photographers that we both admire. Um, yeah, let let me know uh, if you guys like these uh, dives that what Ward and I are doing. Uh, I want to do more of them. If you got suggestions for photographers, please drop me a line. I would love to know. And uh, this week's opening quotes, if you haven't also figured that out by now, is they were both from Edward Steichen. So, uh, yeah, I tend to, <laughs> it was pretty obvious that I would pick quotes from a photographer that we're doing the deep dive on. But uh, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, um, you can find the show notes to this episode uh, and all the other episodes on uh, switchtomanual.podbean.com. And, uh, yeah, we're coming up in August, and this is the month I said that I'll be giving the Switch to Manual uh, site a makeover. I hope I really can get to that. I've got a lot of things planned for August, but uh, putting uh, Switch to Manual back together again, uh, you know, is really uh, on my list of things to do. And I'd like to get the, uh, you know, have the uh, podcast hosted there again, or at least have the show notes hosted there again. But anyway, if you need to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at amrosario, or you can see some of my stuff on Flickr at amrosario. And, uh, you know, I still have the Facebook Switch to Manual page, and uh, you can find me also at Rosario Photo on Facebook. Uh, and I can always use more support from you guys uh, in any way possible, and that can, <laughs> that can show up in many different ways. But if you'd like to uh, show me some, give me some exposure bucks, you can go to iTunes and rate and review the show. I'd like to, uh, you know, uh, get get more reviews up there and get the get the podcast spread out to more people. 
And uh, if you got, you know, if you got some suggestions, you know, then we don't put up a bad review. Just uh, send me a line and, and uh, you know, talk about it. Maybe we can get some uh, ideas from you guys. So, uh, yeah, so go to iTunes, give me some reviews. And if you do want to contribute to the show, I do have a tip cup for some uh, chump change on the Podbean page. Uh, and you know what? If you, uh, the, one of the best ways to support me is tell your friends about the show and drop me a line and say how, uh, you know, whether or not uh, you like the show and if it's, uh, you know, inspiring you to do more photography. I really appreciate it. those because those are the ways you can support the show. And uh, let's see what else. <laughs> it's like, oh, so the uh, Street Shots theme music, my new theme music, was written and produced by Phyllis Audio. You can find out more about the creative guy behind Phyllis Audio at soundcloud.com slash P-H-Y-L-L-I-S audio, Phyllis Audio. And hey, great. Thanks for joining me. Next time I'll see you in August. And uh, until then, keep shooting and working because things will begin to happen. Mm-hmm.